I can't even say welcome back to the podcast because this is the first, technically the first episode of this series that we're doing. Um, we're going to clink real quick our glasses. You know, we we didn't, I think they could have just gotten that from, like, I feel like they would have known when <laughs> it, the glasses clinked. It's called barely explained. So I have to explain yeah. every single, well, barely. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So actually I'm not going to explain a single thing anymore. I just got to figure it out. Um, but uh, my name's Landon and I am here with uh, Zach. Zach. Also pronounced Bonquiqui. That is not how that's pronounced. Um, uh, we do not lie here. We will never lie to you. That is a fact. Um, this is kind of like a side uh, kind of like side series we're doing off the main podcast. So if you're listening right now, uh, this is typically a uh, actual play D&D 5e podcast where me, my sister, my friend, and my cousin all play Dungeons and & Dragons. And today we're doing something a little bit different. We're not playing Dungeons & Dragons. It's true. We're talking about Dungeons & we Dragons. We really, it's pretty diverse around here. It's, you know what, we're either talking about it, we're playing it, or, nope, that you don't have an end to this joke. Nope, that's actually You don't it. have an end that's to the sentence. You didn't plan it. No, I did. I, ha- I was going to be a great punchline. What was it going to be? It was going to be, nope, that's about it. Mm-hmm. That was good. Okay. Uh, you say it was good, <laughs> but... I, did, I, just, I, didn't, I didn't know how badly <laughs> I was going to make you feel just that. Um, but the main idea for this is to be a place where me, Landon, can sit down with someone, in this case, Zachary, and talk about something, uh, hopefully interesting. I guess I'll let you be the, deci- be the deciding factor. Um... We would love to make small number get bigger. So that's why we're doing this. <laughs> and believe me, the worst. it is a small number right now. So you're getting on at the ground level. And uh, yeah, congrats. Here we go. We already clinked, so we can't do it again. But uh, today uh, we have our dungeon master, Zachary. I'm not going to say his last <laughs> hey, name yeah. because uh, we're, we still have some resemblance of privacy, I guess, that we're assuming that we have. Yeah. Because all the people who want to know who we are. Exactly. There's like there's so many people. I can count on one hand the amount of people. Well, actually, it's like both of our moms. Um, <laughs> well, actually, my mom couldn't listen to the first episode. Oh, is that? I don't know. I think she just didn't like the content or something. Uh, I'm just kidding. Actually, that was hilarious if that's true. <laughs> no, it's not. She's awesome. Okay. I love you, mom, for listening to this. Um, <laughs> listen, I have had like three or four failed creative projects that I have tried to attempt that and my mom true. has been there for every single one. So this this one's for you. Today we are drinking Lagavulin. Yeah, we are. And if you don't know what that is, Google it. Change your life. It's really good. Um, and we're going to talk about learning how to be a DM. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about learning how to be a DM. And I think that we're in a really cool position to talk about this because um, on one hand, we have Zachary, who is a very great DM. I'll stop it. And we have me, who... Uh, Probably has DM'd three sessions so far. Yeah, you have. So I'm that with pride. (laughs) I'm hoping to learn something. Hopefully Zachary can teach me something. Hopefully I'll be I'll be helpful. I think you will be. I've learned so much just listening to you DMR sessions. You know what I mean? I realize that I never make the sound of a door opening. (laughs) That's yeah, and when you describe stuff, you don't say it's huge. So what are you even doing? You're right. And you come back from a break, you don't go, so anyway. That's how Zachary pulls it. We're a pretty chaotic bunch. And so uh, when we go off on our 50th rabbit trail, um, Zachary has to say, anyways. <laughs> and I, I always have to be making eye contact with at least one of you. Like, the person hey, who hey. started the trail. It's like, get back <laughs> hey, right now. Over get here. back over here. <laughs> Look over here. Um, all right, well, hit, hit me with them with them hot zingers, bro, dog. All right, well, I just want to start out and just kind of ask you um, – how did you get into D and D to begin with? Because yes. this is because we because Zachary's my cousin, 
if we haven't explained that yet. And uh, this is not something that we both grew up with. No. This is not something that we did. No. In fact, I think it was very a little outside, taboo. Very far outside of VeggieTales. Exactly. <laughs> That's what our entertainment was. So how did you find your way here? Um, I just spilled log, log of it on my leg. Well. Um, <laughs> I don't waste the log. Oh, don't it's waste ev- it. It's every. This happens every what time. Have I done? <laughs> uh, um, we're off to a great start. <laughs> Anyway, do you need a napkin? There's log food everywhere. I'm fine. Okay, I've man- it's on none of the couches. It's just okay, on me. Um, you know what? This is just. Do would you like just, a napkin? No, we're just getting full into this. Okay. Um. Wow. Um. So, uh, mad shout out to Daniel. Uh, not gonna say full name, but uh, Danny boy, you know who you are. My best friend. Uh, he is a humongous nerd, and um, he played D and D in college and undergraduate, and um, he really wanted to play with me. And uh, I was like, my man, I love Lord of the Rings. I love fantasy literature. Um, sci-fi is cool, but that's like, that's too far. Like I've got a line. I will not dork past that line. I'm sorry. I respect you for doing it, but that's negatorino. Um, but I love Daniel. And he was like, dude, it's really sick. So I gave it a try. I played my first session. Uh, Rob was DMing. Shout out to you, Rob. You killed it. <laughs> um, and I made a ranger and we all got together as a group and dude, it was terrible. It was awful. <laughs> um, because, uh, no, it wasn't, it, it was not good because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was sort of like, I, I knew what I, what my impression of D and D was. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go in hard. I'm going to do this for Daniel and I'm going to take this really seriously. Wrong vibe. Cause I was basically like, okay, I need a really a ranger. Uh, oh, Aragorn was a ranger. I'll be like really serious and stoic and have a complex emotional thing. And then I got to the game and uh, one of the guys there was playing a gnome who was racist against dragonborns and almost got in a fight. And except that like, I, like, I, it, it, like right off the bat, I was like, that sounds like a serious thing in the goofiest way. <laughs> and uh, he got like, basically the guy did it just so that he could get on a dragonborn's nerves and then have the dragonborn beat the crap out of him, which he, the player thought was hilarious. So after that experience, I was like, okay, just super not for me. Um, <laughs> And Daniel was like, did you have fun? And I was like, I mean, I guess kind of. So he invited me back for another one. And what worked is I finally played it with uh, with just like just us, uh, with me, Daniel, Rob, and Caleb. And when it was just us, and I, because, you know, we were friends, and just the tone we already knew, man, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And um, and then however much later, uh, Daniel was just talking about how he never DM'd, about how he was always, or how, how he was the forever DM. Yeah. And I was like, I, like, I've got a couple degrees. Dungeons and Dragons can't be that complicated. So <laughs> I just very quietly spent the next couple months learning everything I could. And I bought like the Dungeon Master's Guide and a player's handbook. And I just invited him over all the way out to, you know, I'm not doxing myself too hard when I say West Texas, which is very far. Um, <laughs> and uh, when they came out, I was like, I've got a one shot for you guys. I've actually got two. So we played two sessions back to back and it was a ton of fun. And uh, so I got into DM to DM for uh, Daniel and Caleb and Rob. And I just DM'd for uh, for the three of them for a while. Um, and they, it was so much fun. They had sick characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got really into the idea of not just, like I wanted to make some, the best thing I could for them. So instead of just making like a town indiscriminately, I kind of made like, like a little country. And then when there was a country at one point, uh, I was kind of like, you know, there could be more here. And eventually I got some of, uh, I got my uh, female friends from tech, uh, shout out to uh, Carrie, Callie, and Georgie. Um, I got them into it. 
And soon enough, I was kind of DMing for both groups. And I was like, well, I kind of want to put them in a different spot than I had the other group. And then like just bing, bang, boom, soon enough, there was a whole world. Wow. So what was your first session like? Was it the one shot that you talked about? Or? No, no. Uh, well, okay, so I said one shot. It was a one shot. And then I just made it into the start of the campaign. Um, so the first the first uh, session was um, Daniel and Caleb's characters, uh, Terrence and Nugget. Um, Those are great names. That's a great name. Also, Daniel's uh, Daniel's character was a um, uh, a turkey person, uh, a, a Gallus, I think, uh, who talked like Sean Connery. Oh my god! And gosh. it was hilarious. <laughs> um, and uh, Caleb's character was um, a meth head. Uh, he was insane. Oh wow! No, not really, but I mean, he was crazy. Okay. Um, I was like, "What's the equivalent of meth?" In not D&D? not murder hobo bad, but he was he was rough. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was them getting into a town and trying to figure out like winter was coming sooner than it should have been. Um, things were getting really cold, and they like kind of broke into some ruins next to town and found out that there were a bunch of ice methods there, which mm. they're like they're like little flying gremlin dudes, um, and it was just them fighting the methods and saving the town. Um, but, uh, uh, but really, I mean, the, the pieces of the world were in that first session. The Kefkins were there. Um, that's where that storyline started out and, um, all sorts of stuff. So, so I guess let's put into perspective, uh, this world that you're talking about, um, kind of, kind of ex- extrapolate on that more. Cause I think everybody has like a, a, a view of what it looked like in that one shot. It was just kind of like one location with a kind of a few central pieces that ended up lasting over a long period. But what does the world look like now? Like what does it encompass? If you could explain a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that, and this uh, is something, this is a, this is a world you create like a complete homebrew. Yeah, completely. Just to put it, um, yeah. To kind of explain. Um, so that they started out in the town of Yapur, um, which also for the record is an impoverished town. And it was a pun because I used a bunch of Nordic letters the phoneticism remained throughout the whole nation. But it literally, it was, you poor. You're poor. No one ever got that. Not in the whole campaign. Um, Kara picked up on it like eight months later, but no one no one ever went, oh, because it's poor. It's not a classy joke, but I made it. Um, but So you poor ended up being the smallest of uh, six cities in the nation of Zedj, um, through which your canonical character actually passed. Um, yeah. And... Uh, uh, and Zedj ended up being uh, a subcontinent in the northwest, um, far northwest. And um, now it is one of uh, probably another like 10 subcontinents among um, uh, about another eight larger continents uh, and like four oceans. And um, there's probably about like 30 separate nations. Um, yeah. And they have histories and. and cultural affectations and separate ecologies and stuff like that. Wow. So what what did your first session look like? The first one you DM'd? Uh, simple. Um, and actually, you know what? Here, here's what I, I could just say like a bunch of details, but if we're, if we're sort of talking about how to like how to get into DMing, um, I think here were the valuable lessons for my first session. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're cool with me. No, yeah, absolutely. Take, um, take, take, take so the So the first session was really simple. Um, the players showed up and you're never going to guess a tavern. Wow. Um, uh, and it was the um, the broken glass, um, which probably exists in a bunch of other campaigns. I, I'm convinced I came up with it, but I'm sure someone <laughs> else has done it before. Um, and uh, 
Cracked tankard would have been better in retrospect, but here we are. Um, uh, no, the broken glass is the one in. They showed up at a at a skinned fish. Oh. Skinned fish was the name. The skinned fish because he pours a fishing community. Um, and uh, they showed up there, and um, they went to the tavern. Uh, after they like met each other in the tavern and were sort of like, oh, we're here for similar purposes. And like Caleb's character was basically, Nugget was basically like, yo, can I tag along with you? And uh, Daniel's character, Terrence, was just a really nice guy. So he was like, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> so after that, they uh, they went to a hotel. After the hotel, they went to do some training in town. While they were trading, they picked up some, on some gossip about some issues. They talked to a local community leader. Um, and then he let them in on the hot lead about what might be the problem. Uh, they did some more like role-playing throughout the day just for fun. And then they found the methods at the end. Fought him, killed him, saved the town. That was the session. Um, and to be honest, just pretty classic. Just very simple, really straightforward. Um, there was like a, there was a meeting, um, opportunity for some basic character establishment, um, a call to action, and then like um, some character motivations. But if, if, I guess if I could talk about the meaningful things I learned, it's that um, uh, there were parts of the, the session that were just sort of fine and the parts were really good. And the parts that were good were areas where I tried to learn the players' play styles, and I leaned into those things. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Caleb, who's great, um, is uh, not sane. So <laughs> I made sure that there were some opportunities to really make a fool of himself. And that's all he wanted. Um, and then uh, Daniel's very relational, and Terrence's character uh, was just like this really uh, warm-hearted um, like friend of the people. So I made sure that they got an opportunity to role play with less like impoverished impoverished family that was nearby um and uh just that interaction there and honestly it those were the moments that really stood out in the session so um uh i, I really think like if you're a dm trying to figure out your first session um you could create one of the more interesting mysteries that have ever been introduced in DD, or you could have a very big rock in the middle of town that needs to get to the other side of town and your players are kind of capable of having equal amounts of fun. I'm not kidding. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to bet you could just put a really big boulder on one side of town that has that just needs to be on the other side for some undisclosed cultural reason, and your players could probably have a great time just trying to move the boulder across town. The the thing that really works is um, uh, giving players the opportunities to lean into what they love. Mm -hmm. I really think that's the um, that's really kind of the lifeblood of, of of any session. So if I'm taking notes, which I am. I am taking notes, um, listening to your players and figuring out what kind of like their goals are or their personality of their characters are. Um, and what it sounded like is that they didn't even necessarily tell you what they wanted. Yeah. They didn't really they come into this saying, hey, I'm a complete fool and I want to do. <laughs> hey, yo, uh, I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, oh, yeah, he dumb though. Okay, so we're just going to do that. Um you listened to them, you provided almost like a stage and gave them the opportunity to go as deep as they wanted to, right? Yeah, and um, you know, it's gonna kinda sound sort of silly, and there's a lot of ways to DM. Uh, I don't think there's like one way to do it right. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously there's not. And that's not just to say like, you know, everyone's doing it right, look at me being agreeable to everyone. I mean, genuinely, there's no right way to DM because every D&D group is different. Um, but uh, the, um, so you don't need to take DMing as seriously as I do, but it sounds goofy. But when I decided to be a DM, I made a mission statement for myself. I wrote out a goal statement as a DM. And <clears throat> once I wrote it out, I read the words I wrote and I was like, you know what, that's good. But here are a couple areas I think I could do, I could make it even better. Mm -hmm. And I'm a verbal, a verbal processor and writing helps as well with that sort of thing. So 
just that having a visualized help me, any number of mediums do, but like really sitting down and thinking about what are my goals as a DM can take you from a DM who's just sort of doing it haphazardly to one who has at least some amount of intention of care, whatever level of, of work you want to put into it. And so I kind of decided as DM that some of my, my main goals were to be a DM who was um, focused on creating an environment that was a lot of fun for my players, built around their goals, and um, that had a cooperative relationship with my players. Mm. And just really trying to focus on those three tenets regularly um, set me up with the, the expectations that like, um, this wasn't a story that I was telling that my players were in. This is a story that um, we were telling together collaboratively. And that um, my goal was not to, no matter how good the story, was not to lay out the story and be like, this is really good follow me and we'll go through it but more like hey here's some bones i've worked really hard at but put some flesh on this thing and um i'll shape it with what you all are doing which you know requires some amount of improv skill and it's practice but i i think i think those are that's sort of like the essential anatomy of a really great story in in the collaborative form of storytelling which is uh, D D. so where do you see yourself like in perspective with the players like are you on their side are you like an intermediary between them and the conflict ah, or yeah. are you working like against them like as like something they have to like get through and conquer yes um well it's a complicated role because as the dm you're everybody um on on like a continuum a continuum of motivations for dms i I think I'm kind of a bit of a merciful DM. I really like watching the, the <laughs> I like watching the players succeed. I like watching the players have a fun time. And uh, there, there are moments where I crush people as villains and those don't feel very good to me. But the moments where like, like when players destroy enemies that I worked forever on, I'm never like, oh gosh. I'm always like, yeah, yeah, you did. This is how you chop its head off. Yeah. And I'm like pumped about it. Um, so I think, I think, I think I'm on the side of the players. And there's a lot of ways to DM well, but I think most of the best DMs are, not that the goal is to be the best, but like the DMs who help write the best stories, I think feel like they're on the side of the players. Um, but I guess for a bit more nuance, um, I think the way that I do that most effectively is sometimes I have to frame it as I'm on the side of the player's stories. So, and it takes, you know, paying attention to them. And sometimes if I'm not sure what a player's doing, um, if they're into it, um, I'll, I'll just pull them aside and ask them, you know, mm -hmm. like what some of their long-term goals are and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, oftentimes I like, I try to think about the players in the moment of the session and when I'm planning, I try to think about, okay, so where is the player trying to go with their story? Mm. Um, so, uh, sometimes I might need to really kick their butt as, as a villain. And sometimes they might even be upset with me about that. Or sometimes, honestly, one of the hardest things you can do as DM is just give a player delayed gratification. Yeah. Just have them really want something and then not do that. Um, and again, I think the wrong perspective is sort of to be like, um, well, I'm the one who has this all figured out. So just like, you know, take a seat. I'll get it done. Just follow in the footsteps. But like knowing genuinely, like if a player has a long-seated conflict with an enemy um, and giving them the opportunity that they think is the opportunity to win and knowing that maybe you're setting up a more complicated relationship in the future, um, I think maybe one of the most meaningful examples I can give is that like maybe players have a very like um, I am edgy mix I'm I'm edgy McShadow Blade Blood guy the rogue whose family died and then his adoptive family died and then his found family died and then I was in the streets forever and then I was a dragon but now I'm a vampire and my goal is to kill 
Garfield, the fat orange cat who, who did all that to me. <laughs> he um, did all that to you? He did all that to me. Honestly, I'd be impressed. I wouldn't even be mad. I mean, yeah. So you could you can be like, okay, I'm going to reward this player by, um, by slowly but surely building up the conflict with Garfield, the fat orange cat, and then eventually they'll slay Garfield, the fat orange cat, who I guess in the context of D&D &D should really be a beholder, but anyway. Um, that would be really cool. If you could make an orange, an orange and black stripe. stripes who just yeah. really wants to eat everything and, and hates Mondays. Oh, holy crap. This is kind of a good villain. Um, so uh, <laughs> That's trademark now. You can't take that. You can't do it. It's ours. Um, <laughs> so that, that is one way to do that. And also, again, it's a question of like, try to know what your players want. Don't think that... I think one of the best things you can ever do as DM is not learn how to be a good DM, but to learn how to be a good DM for each... Learn how to be a flexible DM. Mm -hmm. Learn how to be a DM who can create, um, not who can fulfill everyone's expectations. You'll never do that, but who can um, who can get better and better at providing uh, individual experiences that reflect the interests and the play styles of their players. Um, but maybe part of being a great DM to um, Edgy McEdge Lord, the Edge Rogue, is saying um, <laughs> Edge Rogue. <laughs> the Edge Rogue. That's a subclass. Okay. Uh, okay. You just win every conflict. Is that in Tasha's? Um, yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, you just have sneak attack and evasion, but for some reason think your subclass isn't good enough. Okay. Um, or your class, whatever. Um, also, I have very strong feelings on the mechanics behind sneak attack, but that's for a different... That's for a different... <laughs> we can talk about that at a different time. Okay. I have very strong feelings on the feeling of mechanics of sneak attack. But anyway, um, uh, maybe the most rewarding thing I can do for him is instead of giving him a fight with, with Garfield, maybe I can try and uh, not perfectly plan out, but through the course of the campaign, set up the pieces... For Edgelord to do, to fail at the task he's working toward and have opportunities for self-reflection. Mm. Maybe I can try and sit down on my own and expend the energy to think about, okay, what's the essential story this player is kind of trying to tell? And not like figuring it out on the fourth episode and be like, okay, I've got it and I know what they're doing. But like the whole time they're playing, try and pay more and more attention to what it is that they're trying to communicate and role play. What, what experience it is they're trying to role play out. And think about what that central conflict is, maybe whether or not they're even explicitly expressing it. And, you know, you don't want to assume, but just sort of slowly building the end. And then giving them the opportunity to explain, to explore that in all the different ways that that might go as a player. Mm -hmm. So you might not give them what they want directly off the bat, but you will give them a story that they can build on a lot. And players don't want you to walk them to a conclusion that is the kind of resolution they're, they're looking for, even if that's what they think they want. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but what, I, what I've come to believe players really want is players want the opportunity to walk through a journey. Yeah. And the goal, I think, of a DM, who's trying to tell a story, if you're just trying to have get together and like set a tower on fire and then punch a goblin, cool, those are great games too. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, if you really are trying to tell a story, giving the player the opportunity to build on unforeseen circumstances are some of the best stories you can ever tell. Mm, that's really good advice. Um, I don't know a whole lot about DMing, but one thing I do know is that you don't have to create an entire homebrewed world to have a good session. You know what I mean? I mean, if you do, if that's what you do, if that's what you're drawn to and you're just creative enough to where you can build it, build something that is humongous and explorable and, new and, and I mean by all means like do it um but for me personally I I haven't been able to do that you know what I mean like I don't have that talent I I, I haven't been able to make an a world that I believe in is engaging enough to lead a group of people in in through and so I but you are uh one of Rolling Stone's top eight 
guitarists of all time recognized. So oh, that's okay. Good. Um, I didn't know that. I'll have to look up the uh, sources for that after. But, but I've had a lot of fun just kind of doing the modules that are out there. You know, the five E modules. Like five E is a great system. It's it a is, fantastic. It's system. a great system, and there are some good books out Flawed, there. Flawed, but very flexible. That you can learn with, and that you can go through with and explore with, um, because it is it is very hard. It's almost not hard to create somewhere. You know what I mean? Like you can draw a shape on a map, put a name on it, make a town. But I think making something engaging is the hardest part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is what I was going to ask you about. So did, did you struggle at all with creating something that was engaging? And now what I mean by that is I'm talking about like the people that live there, the accents of every NPC. I feel like there's a lot of improv that comes along. Yes, with, there's a lot. With, voicing NPCs and making them and being able to have an answer for everything, but at the same time, knowing nothing. <laughs> um, yes. Whatever I, that question looks I like. Did. That wasn't a real question. It was, no, there was, you didn't say it, but there was a question. Did you, did you struggle with engagement? Yeah. Um, yes. And uh, I struggled with engagement because my feelings got hurt because I went into it kind of good at it. Um, I've always been good at voices and... Uh, and I've always written a lot of things. And I was like, I'm going to crush this. <laughs> and so I put them in the town. And I was like, yo, there's an, 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 hold on. there's an etymologically, lingually consistent phoneticism to the name structure of these towns. There's a basic history for these people. They got consistent regional accents. Their names follow patterns. They have meaningful backstories. And my players were like, yeah, but where's the guy with the squirrel bacon? And I was like... He came up for five minutes. Don't you want to talk to the mayor who has a complex, meaningful development on the classic systems for mayor who really represents a complicated character? Now, where's the man with the squirrel bacon? <laughs> and I was just like, okay. And um, so you, so you bring up a really, a really interesting point about, um, you know, how, how do you stay engaging? Um, man, you, you take the player's cues. Um, and that doesn't sound like a, you, you know, you want the answer to be like, here's how you technically do this and that. And with a group who likes the details, sick, you know? Um, but honestly, one of the most engaging things you can ever be as DM, if, if your group gets fascinated with a rock and a bucket, man, play the heck out of the rock and the bucket. Um, and if they like something complex, then you can lean into that, you know, as best as you can. Um, and if you have a really good group, they'll, they'll, they'll appreciate you for what you do. Um, but, uh, and you know, you can even, one of the best things you can ever do just on a separate note is, you know, talk about your expectations with people. Uh, D and D is just the quality of your DMing of your whole D and D experience, um, will be far more predicated on the quality of your relationships with the people you're playing with. Than anything. <laughs> That's just true. Um, but engaging players manage to lean into it because it's the player story. It's your world, but it's the player story. Um, and uh, the best worlds are the ones that play that change with the players' actions, um, and uh, that lean into what the players are interested. In. So, um, having really well set up, the the engaging world isn't the one that's full of detail. It's the one that's full of the things that the players are interested in. Mm. So just follow their leads, and you'll uh, um, and lean into your strengths. Um, so, I don't know a lot about fashion. Um, I'm not trying to poke holes in my DMing, but if you'll notice for all of my elaborate descriptions, I talk very little about people's clothes. 
And that's because I don't know much about people's clothes. Not in the modern era, not in the ancient era, not in the fantasy world. <laughs> in fact, the other day, I Googled a bunch of medieval terms for clothing so I could start to give more nuanced explanations of clothing. Uh, so hopefully that, that gets better. But like, you guys don't notice, I assume. I haven't uh, noticed yet. I don't, I'll talk about people's, I'll talk about the colors on people's cloaks and the way they might look, but I really don't nail clothing the way I do a sunset or a building or the way a sword goes through somebody's face because that I know how to talk about. Um, so I lean into that and, uh, and I'm good at voices. So I make the voices weird and goofy, but man, if you can't do a voice for an NPC, who cares if that NPC is lovable, the party will never forget them. Or if that NPC is the worst, the party will never forget them, you know, in a respectful to your player's way. If that NPC eats dirt every so often, I've just gets a <laughs> fistful of dirt and chomps on it. That's going to go far better than any particularly good Irish accent ever will. So, yeah. That's a really Lean into point. your strengths and roll with the player's cues. Mm -hmm. It all just keeps coming back to listening to your players, right? I guess. Or like, I guess, prioritizing them? The relationship that you have with your players is the most important thing you'll ever have. Okay. Because everyone's goal when they're DMing, or... A lot of people's goal is to tell great stories. And so people fight for the details and the structure and the background. But great stories, when, when you think of your favorite stories, do you think about the city a person was in? And maybe you do. Maybe you think about a really cool sitting or set piece. But everyone's favorite thing about every story are characters because humans are relational. The best stories are the ones with great character, great, great, great characters, great character development, great character arcs, great character experiences, moments, and your players are the characters. So working with your players and having good relationships with those characters will inevitably make the greatest stories. And how do you keep those people around? You know what I mean? Like keeping a party around for long term is very difficult. And yeah. on, the, on the main campaign you do, mm -hmm. um, which is actually another podcast, uh, you can find the away that from table podcast away from table podcast which spotify, is also on spotify um there's a lot of people in that one mm -hmm. there's a there's a lot more than um i've ever listened to um six. yeah we're at it's a party of six with five five pcs wow yeah. that's a lot so okay yes it is and how do you how do you keep that going um excellent question uh you know what the reason that's the best question is because I've been figuring it out. That is the most people I've DM'd for by like two or three. Um, I've never really had a consistent group of more than three. Um, so that's been, a, that's been a learning experience for me. Um, and the best piece of advice I can say, this is going to sound weird, but right off the bat is you don't. Um, you make peace with the fact that they may stay or they may go. And uh, you just do your best. And you recognize that their approval or duration in the campaign is not a reflection of your quality as a human being, which sounds really silly. Uh, like on the outside, you're like, dude, of course, it's you know, a made up game. And then when you've spent six hours practicing an accent and going over a story beat and someone doesn't like it, all of a sudden you're like, but I made it for you. <laughs> so um, you, you just make peace with the fact that like, if people love it, they will. And if they don't, they won't. Um, but then beyond that, um, the answer I would have given you a couple months ago would have been all about communication with the players. And that is true. You should always have that. But I've actually recently been learning. Because recently, um, one of our players, um, uh, you know who, but I love you. You're the best. <laughs> um, made a really conflict-oriented uh, character. Just difficult. <laughs> um, and I was kind of actually excited for that. Because 
um, one of the mainstays on the channel, um, Javian, Andrea, I love you. Um, when Javian showed up, he, he was not a great character. Um, like he was, he was a very good character uh, to clarify, but he was, uh, he had all this emotional baggage and he was kind of difficult. Um, but the story of those two characters growing of like Javian and Janice, two of the main characters in the other podcast, which is interesting because people listening to their podcast will come in at like session, like 33 or something, uh, adventure 33 or whatever. Um, so at the point that they come in the, in the podcast, Janice and Javian are inseparable, but they started out as like Janice was straight up trying to give the dude the slip the whole time. And Javian didn't want to be with the, like they had to be together because like higher powers were like forcing them together. Like, like this malevolent force was going to kill Javian if he didn't follow this random woman he'd never met before and all sorts of stuff. Um, but the, the story of, of resolving that conflict with them has been one of the most satisfying plots in the entire campaign. One of the most meaningful that informs the themes for the whole story. Um, and so when, when, uh, one of our new players hopped in with, with a slightly more controversial character for, um, a while the players were kind of like dude what you doing <laughs> uh don't don't let this happen and i was i was even kind of like uh, and you know that's a very fine balance to watch i'm not my the takeaway is not like encourage conflict like it's complicated um and that's about knowing your players individually but um in the past what worked was a lot of player to dm comp communication and so that's one of the best things you can do mediate conflict be a really good friend to the people that you dm for it'll go a thousand miles but what I've been learning recently is, um, while I was trying to build the whole world and uh, resolve all these conflicts with players, at one point I talked to the players and I was like, hey, um, we're taking a risk here. We're doing something creative with the storyline. Um, I've got more than I can manage. Um, and I, I trust those people. And I know that they're respectful for each, to each other. And I was like, um, I need you guys to get together as players and work out how this complicated, how this conflict is going to go with your characters. I need you to start communicating with each other. And um, because I had been intentional about who could come into the group and who could not, uh, not cherry picking people with styles that I liked or who were maybe like my best friends, but choosing people who I had a lot of confidence would respect each other. Um, that goes a long way. Players who have good conflict resolution skills and who respect other players and who respect boundaries. Um, and then just having grace for each other as we had growing pains and talking those out. Um, we got through a, an adventure today where there was kind of like a really big character growth moment where there was like a really big conflict. And then for the first time, because these players have been having conflict as, as long as they've been together, these characters, uh, not the players, but the characters. And today was the first time that they had a really big conflict with each other. And then they like kind of resolved it for the first time and hurt each other out. Um, and so being, being intentional about who you're letting in and then having uh, clear expectations that you communicate firmly, but politely, and then trusting players and encouraging them to work things out with each other encouraging communication between both the dm and the players we're having to figure out communication stuff in our current campaign you know what i mean yeah. i've had uh, to ask micah to quit threatening me with a weapon before every uh session saying you have to call me the big mike you have to call me the big mike you don't call me the big mike i'll break your legs she's she finally signed the contract and said she's gonna leave all weapons at home yeah uh, that's i'm still i'm still afraid of her you guys can't see uh, uh micah because it's, it's an audio recording she's about seven three and she's that's, just 500 pounds true. of pure that's, muscle these people don't so know who micah still, is actually. she still intimidates me um without the weapon but we're working through communication player uh -huh. dm communication uh-huh okay okay the big mic the big mic also mike <laughs> if you ever don't like this joke let me know and i'll drop it okay <laughs> i mean it's written in the player handbook that we all have now so it's here to stay 
<laughs> oh, um, it is. Yeah. I wrote it. <laughs> you wrote it in the player handbook. So it's. Oops. We, we had about three sessions where Zachary's like, you really should have a player handbook. And we we're like, uh-huh, okay. And then finally he was like, I got you a player handbook. To <laughs> you guys kept me. being like, that'd be nice. And I'd be like, okay, look, I need you guys to know something about your class or characters. Here's a book. <laughs> yeah. We used D&D Beyond, which was amazing. It's a phenomenal tool. It is a phenomenal tool. And it's also um, a great tool if you keep up with it. <laughs> yes. But we, we didn't know anything about what it meant to have a character, exactly. like what those stats mean. They were just numbers that D&D Beyond was like, okay, well, here you go. Have fun. And uh, we did. And then... I think, uh, actually, on, uh, just on D&D Beyond specifically, it's a very, it's, it's like a specific question, but I think I think D&D Beyond is an excellent resource for people who know a bit about D&D. Um, so I think it's a really great resource. Also, it's, you know, it conserves natural resources because you need to print less. Um, it's a fantastic tool. Um, it's really good for mobile games or games at distance. Um, but I really think at least like one player handbook being around and paper character sheets go a long way. To, and like taking time as the DM to walk with your with your players through making their first characters and having them bubble in things in their sheets and write down the features and know where things go and why they go. I think it helps players know um, how their character functions. And it's really, it's really good for like, like every time they have their first martial character or their first caster or something like that. It's really good to go through that explicit process yeah i definitely know a lot more about the mechanics and like why my character does things than before um okay so here's here's another question um what do you do when your players all of a sudden want to make a podcast that's a good question <laughs> it's a vague question you've had that happen twice now i've had that happen twice now um <laughs> that's, that's happened twice independently i yeah. didn't suggest either of the two you didn't <laughs> um you, first of all, you ask yourself whether or not you really want that. Um, because if you don't, you shouldn't do it. Um, because DMing is the best when you're having a good time too. Um, and that's for the whole game. Yeah. If you're not having fun, then why are you doing you really, it? You really shouldn't. There's better uses of your time. than Yeah. Because this is a game where literally everything's make-believe. Yeah. So you should really be having fun. And if you're not, that's, that's okay. Do something different. Unless you're um, getting paid a lot of money, and then maybe if you're not having fun, that's okay. But that's the only. <laughs> I wouldn't even recommend that. But um, uh, uh, I, I don't know how. Where do you want me to go with this question? How detailed you want me to be? Are there um, specific ac uh, aspects you want me to get into? I mean, it was half of a joke, but um, I think that I mean it would be interesting to see because when um, because we joked about having a podcast uh, before we even started playing. And yep. um, you, what you told me is what I've told people before is that um, that's great. You're going to handle all of the recording and things. You're going to handle everything. I do a whole lot on the world and just DMing, and that's what that's all I want to do. You know what? Actually, you make a really good point. I think the best piece of advice uh, I could give is if you're if so you say if your players want to make a podcast, if your players get excited about the story you're making, and in this very digital age where people are publishing things and they want to they want to create it into anything of any form. Define expectations. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing you can do. Um, really sit down. It's less fun than the whole process, but sit down and think about, okay, what would this very practically take? Yeah. And then, man, um, again, it requires you having a good enough relationship with these people um, in whatever that might look like. But man, talk about, talk about finances. Talk about what money would be necessary. Where is it coming from? Are people comfortable dealing with money? 
um, talk about workloads, talk about um, all sorts of different things. Yeah. Um, don't volunteer people for, for things. Um, <laughs> uh, and honestly, if if the number of people who would be necessary aren't excited, just don't even do it. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that the number of people who'd be necessary for the different roles are genuinely happy about doing those roles. Yeah. And then uh, and then see about moving forward. Um, but yeah, just define expectations. And and so part of the lesson was uh, with the first try and the other podcast, um, I was kind of like, okay, I'll do this and you do this and I'll do this and you do this. We did, we tried like one and I was like, okay, that's ridiculous and impossible. Um, <laughs> I Because you don't, you do not need to put as much time into this as I do. But on a weekly basis, I want to say I probably put in about like, like on the bottom end on a light week, I probably put in about four hours of outside time into um, just preparing to DM four is probably pretty light like six is probably a pretty average number on for a very light week is that for like one session or is that for everything like both like everything you do for for probably like well um if i'm if i'm just preparing um an accidental adventure session and uh a legend of the new one session if i'm just doing two sessions on a week and i have nothing else to do it's probably on the light end it's probably six hours um if they're detailed sessions we're probably looking at like eight or nine um, and then if I'm deciding to do some necessary world building, probably looking at more like 10 or 12. Um, and if there's larger things that need to happen and we're including like some of the podcast stuff, they're probably pushing more into the twenties now. Yeah. So I put, you start putting in a lot of time. Now, again, you don't need to do as much as I do, but, mm-hmm. um, and so at some point I was just kind of like, okay, if these players want these podcasts sick, they have to do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, obviously my creative input is necessary at times, but like. You just define expectations. You've taken a lot bigger part of this than um, than I originally I originally thought you you would. Um, to put this in perspective, um, we played how many sessions? Three or four before we decided that yes. we want to start recording ourselves. Yeah, because the fifth adventure is where we started. Yeah, so we recorded four adventures. Uh, no, we we played four adventures before we decided. Oh, I love Lagavulin. Lagavulin is very good. We just got to plug that right now. But um, we played four adventures before. Um, we even kind of threw around the idea of recording ourselves do it. And so we were a very young group. Okay. So the three, there's three players in this, in this campaign and barely D and D at the accidental adventures. And, um, I probably had the most experience, but 85% of that was listening to podcasts. And <laughs> so nobody else had like, I don't, so I don't want to say they didn't want to podcast, but didn't even really know what that would mean. They didn't know what that would mean. They didn't really think about that. I was like, hey, what if we get some microphones and we record and stuff? And um, I think you gave me that same answer. Like, okay. I mean, I can't, I'm don't, I'm not going to, I can't really pay for anything. I I just do, I do so much work just creating this and presenting this and, and doing this for you. I'm going to do a lot of it. And I said, okay, cool. That's great. I made sure that everybody was on board and then yeah. we just kind of went full steam ahead. Um, and there have been a lot of discussions about just open communication mm-hmm. has been a big part of it. And starting small. Yeah. Starting small is like, always start small. Always start small. Don't start big. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> because you might find out you love it and that was great. Or you might be like, oh, this is really quite a sour taste in our mouth. Yeah. Um, so start small. Yeah. So that's what it's kind of been like for us. Um, but yeah. yeah, you've taken a lot more of a role in this than I originally thought you were. Because now... Um, I mean, now we're like, we're doing this a lot more. Like we meet, we talk about this, we game plan. Yeah. Uh, you give creative feedback on a lot of things. You 
help set up equipment. You help make sure that we have music that plays in a session. You know what Hopefully. I mean? Hopefully. Hopefully. He's talking to you about this after this. I guess we'll I might have run into a roadblock. <laughs> Um, but it's a running trend in this thing. <laughs> a lot of a lot of this is is finding problems and solving problems and being able to communicate through those. Um, but yeah, I think everything you said was right. And I mean, that's that's all the advice that I campaign was, one the quest for music the quest for music. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, one last question, mm-hmm. and this is probably the biggest question: um, What is Why the correct way the to say it, game master or dungeon master? Ah, until a couple weeks ago. I would have given you a less meaningful answer. Um, so I like Dungeon Master. Um, and I don't think I'd like it for good reasons, but I do like it more. Uh, I like Dungeon Master because it's Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, now, Does that anyone... mean there's a Dragon Master too? Just to be clear? <laughs> no, I would want that name if there was. <laughs> um, uh, man, why aren't they called Dragon Masters? That's so much cooler. Because there's um, no dragons. Um, oh, not yet, at least in our campaign. Oh, there are dragons. That's a lie. What? I don't know. We're gonna- anyway, um, uh, I like Dungeon Master because um, I like Dungeon Master because it just relates to D and D more. I like Dungeon Master because it sounds dorkier, um, and I like it. I like leaning into the. I like it because when I have to explain to people that I'm a Dungeon Master, like if I say Game Master, it at least sounds kind of respectable. I like when I have to say. I am a master of made up dungeons. <laughs> like, yes, I am a dork. Bring it on. I love yeah. it. Not confrontationally, you know what I mean? Um, and I like Dungeon Master because DM sort of uh, rolls off the tongue well. It sort of honors the tradition of thing, all that. However, um, I think there's a lot of value in Game Master because it does honor the many other very good role-playing games out there. And also, I recently found out a lot of the reason that people call themselves Game Masters is because technically Wizards of the Coast own the legal rights to the phrase Dungeon Master. So mm. if you would like to... Uh, and that gets into really complicated stuff with um, open play. Now, um, uh, Wizards of the Coast have actually been really cool about the stuff that you can produce and all the homebrew content, uh, which is why I can do any of this. So it is really cool and they have a good system for it. But I've recently learned that a lot of the reason that people use Game Master is is for uh, legal reasons. So. Mm, I didn't even realize that. But I like I like Dungeon Master. Wow. It's my it's my preferred thing. Yeah, I've always used it. Um, it does sound a little bit nerdier yeah, for I like sure. Yeah, I guess. I feel like I feel like you can say Game Master. Like, I'm a Game Master. But if you say Dungeon Master, you have to be like, I'm a Dungeon Master. You know, and I like <laughs> Oh, that's one of your many voices. I can't wait to meet an NPC that has that voice. There's um, some really fun... MP- I, you know, I think it's a great point in the story that we came in at. I think it's great that we started recording when we did. My only real heartbreak is that we didn't get Bessa Oud. Yeah, um, that- Bessa Oud. And I don't know when we'll run into that NPC again, but man, I love her so much. She was crazy old lady. Very, she was a crazy old lady in a port town uh, during, that we met during the middle of a very strong storm, and she was probably the most entertaining part of that whole session. Um, she's great. And- you trying to say something to me? <laughs> I cut you. I'll do it. Okay. Okay. I take your kidneys out. All right. I believe it. I believe it. That was, that was, a, that was a great session. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I think that's that's most of what I had to ask. Uh, I mean, do you have any like final thoughts or pieces of advice or sage wisdom that you can pass on? You guys keep doing this to me. Um, you just keep, say no. I mean, you don't have to say yes. You keep we keep like running out of things, and you're like, okay, Zach. So without any context or pointing direction, I just want to say something smart. Um, <laughs> Memorable thoughts, tips, moments. This is your time to shine. Um, 
Do you have a secret hatred for me? You'd like to admit? I mean, you can bring that up here now too. Uh, what's what's a concluding thought? I, I like that you're just putting me on 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 the pressure like this. You're so good um, at improvising, literally every single thing. Yeah, of our regular but there's podcast. usually context for improvisation. Like you guys, like I walk in a room, you're literally like anything. Okay, so let me set the <laughs> um, scene. Let me set the scene. You are in the port town of of um, Goltrun. And uh, you are walking into a tavern, and as mm-hmm. you do, there is a um, half elf that is panicked at the table, just yelling, "How do I learn how to be a DM? If only somebody had a good tip or two that I could learn from, please, anybody, somebody that might be walking in right now at this." Point. I run up to him. I push the chair aside. Okay, it's it's uh, it's got a a peg leg because someone broke it years ago. It's an old tavern. It's been in the town of. Guglack or whatever you said for a long, long time. And clearly by the worn footmarks scuffing particular portions of the board, not the way you get an even wearing from people dancing, but the way that you take a hard impact from a wayward book, from wayward boot. Also uh, denoting the way that the building has been built up on stilts. It's a port town. The ocean can flood in at high tides. You have to be able to build the buildings above the water line so you don't take that water damage. And it's also because it's old and rickety and somebody saved money on the foundation. And where some heavy boot from some worn soldier uh, took a spill on some sort of a drunken tuffle years ago, it chipped the edge of a board and in that same way that characteristic is belayed all across the tavern an an uneven chip that was not stained but only sanded on the edge of the bar where someone broke uh, like a jaw against the wood and it's it's been bludgeoned and cracked a bit the way that the leather has that broken sort of textured fractured upholstery to it Um, the signs are everywhere and it's only one more sign of the general lackadaisicality and empty just tired, worn out soul of the town that this chair that I have doesn't give a classic, mm, but like a doo-doo as I throw it to the side on its peg leg. I, I I put my hands across the table, but I'm a gnome, so I'm not tall enough. So I crawl up <laughs> on the table, but I've got a strength save of a skill of four. So I fail. So I go around the other side of the table and I climb up on the chair and I get on the table and I stand in the man's mashed potatoes that have been cold for hours. And I grab the health elf by the collar and I slap him across the face. And I say, pull yourself together. How could you possibly think you could be a dungeon master? That's not even a real thing. What canonical people in this world? What does it even mean to be a dungeon master? Do you insinuate that you are a villain? That's how I've always spoken. I have a dungeon and I allow people to go in there and I'm the master. Then I'm- you're a fool. <laughs> and then I say, good one, Reginald. Same time next week. And I climb down off the table and I go out to the bar. Okay. Roll around in the mud for a while. Wow. That was beautiful. I look out to the ocean. Okay. I think My we're home. And, and scene. I run away on all fours. And Great scene. <laughs> Eventually, and I meet the water line. Start flopping around <laughs> okay, in the sand. Okay, okay. Gargling the salt water. I believe it. Okay. <laughs> That's a platypus. That's definitely a platypus. No, platypus is... Okay, great. I think I think that was a, that was a lot of practical tips. This is what you get. That was... Well, I think... You did this. You didn't say it. You did it. So that's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. Um, what? You demonstrated... Anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> well, um, thank you for listening. I definitely learned a lot. I definitely learned. I'm a glad. Lot. And um, if if the people that I play with, and my players, I won't say my players because that's not. I don't know. Is that is that? Um, I like my. Uh, I think my players can even sort of be like, I'm in control of this experience and I own it, or like these are the people that I love playing with. Yeah, and I love. Um, I keep them and I adore them and I enjoy them. And I think. Your style of DMing will communicate that. I like saying my players because it's a term of endearment. Yeah, and I use it as a term of endearment. So if my players, which my actually, players, which doesn't that feel a bit possessive? Landon? Okay, okay. First of all, you led me here, so let me go. Mm. Um, 
that was pretty deep. Let me get some poetry stuff. No, it was awkward. Me. You want to continue? Okay, yeah. Uh, if our <laughs> players are listening, uh, hold me to a higher standard because um, <laughs> one has been presented to me. Um, if you can't make the sound of a lightsaber, I don't know why he's your DM. Oh, I'm not even going to try. I thought I did good just by joke. inventing the word Goldthrun. Probably never come up. That was pretty um, good. I like yeah, that. Yeah, right? It had it had real Svenjor uh, ring to it. Yeah, I learned how to use an accent for the first time yesterday. Yeah, you did, you big kid. Um, if you enjoyed this at all or felt like you learned something, like, uh, we have a subscribe. main. Oh no! Don't do that. Um, actually, <laughs> I mean, if you could, that'd be great. Like I said, make small number bigger, smaller number. Um, but we have a main podcast that we have a lot of fun on, and that we have curated, not curated. We just do whatever we want, and uh, that's a much more accurate answer. <laughs> I was trying to be professional, but I was like, "That's a lie." It's not. Um, they listen to the first five minutes and be like, "Oh, never mind." We are chaotic. We are crazy. Um, and we're just we're just zany and wacky and fun, just quirky player things, you know? Yeah, just quirky player things. And quirky if you enjoyed this, you'll definitely enjoy that, guaranteed, or your money back. So listen to that too. What if they're paying us at some point? What if there's like a subscribe service? We can't oh gosh, as that. soon. Okay, so as soon if we ever have a Patreon, your money's not your guaranteed. money's not you going can't back. Get it back. You cannot get it. back. It's ours forever. It's ours forever. We'll fight you, uh, Zachary. The will. big Mike's huge. Big Mike is small. <laughs> She'll crush you. Um, but thank you so much for joining in. This has uh, been the first episode of Barely Explained. We're hoping to do this a lot more. I don't know how regular it'll be, but. I mean, if you disembodied listener that probably doesn't exist has any ideas or anything you'd like to hear about, uh, let us know. I'm going to link the Twitter in in the description. That's so you're so good. That's smart. That's yeah. Smart. So the Twitter is going to be there. That's the main place that I go to, and I think I'm the Facebook person well. looking at the socials most of the time. Facebook's weird. I'll link it too, but I don't know if anybody's actually going to go look at there. But it's just, I mean, point. drop us a link, drop us a hi, uh, say what you'd like to hear, and uh, we'll dive into our infinite wisdom also um i have to do backflips on command so That's every me. person who messages in zach does backflip i'll do one right now zach do backflip oh my it's gosh pretty crazy holy cow yeah you just did that off the back of the couch you didn't think i could go that high you yeah that was, that was i'm nice. willing to bet everyone thinking all they can think right now is wow this really could have ended five minutes ago yeah like, that has to be what's going through their head right <laughs> i mean i'm going to edit this one i'm using this as an opportunity opportunity to learn how to edit oh, no, opportunity to go anyways <laughs> the ticket page from zachary's look see i'm learning i'm learning this is how you yeah do there it. you go uh thank yeah. you so much for joining us today i hope you learned something and uh catch us on the next the next session i uh, really appreciate it if your loved one has mesothelioma, okay. you may and be entitled to financial it there. compensation. All right. Call now for a toll-free consultation. <laughs> Bye.